For a while, you suspected that your house was disorganizing itself. First, you noticed some of your Halloween candy was missing. Next, your house keys turned up in strange places, like your mug of coffee. The buttons on your shirt went missing, then showed up on your kitchen floor, arranged in your first initial. So when you woke up and found a tiny woman sitting on your chest, wrapped in a Kleenex and grinning at you, maybe you weren't as freaked out as you might have been. Welcome to Zeitgeist, a short podcast with some big ideas about the growing fascination with gigantic and tiny people. I'm your host, Aborigin, exploring the history, the prejudices, and the passion surrounding size fantasy. Welcome back. Today I'll talk about vor and mouthplay to the best of my ability. I mean, I'm into mouthplay, definitely. I can talk about it in loving and tender terms. Vor, not so much. When artists represent size fantasy in their work, POV comes into play. One of the first places we zoom into is the mouth. The mouth is a lovely sensual organ, with big puffy lips and a writhing glistening tongue. Among the top several orifices lovers like to explore and penetrate, we have the most control over this one. Kissing happens here. Hard, hungry kisses and playful biting, or soft and tender kisses that linger or explore as sensitively as fingertips. Lips can press into other lips, or wrap around a clit or a penis to suck on, and the mouth can control the pressure to heighten the experience. The tongue is a diverse muscle that can be used to feel and taste as easily as to stroke and probe parts of a lover's body. Watching a partner open their mouth can be an arousing experience all on its own, and peering inside is being granted privileged admission to a very personal space. Even if we all have a mouth, looking into someone else's is still a special and uncommon occurrence. In searching for how macrophilia has been explored and discussed, I listened to the January 26, 2020 episode of the podcast Why Are People Into That?, where host Tina Horn interviewed Empress Wu, a young dominatrix who brought up the concept of ASMR mukbang. Mukbang was a genre of TV show, originating in South Korea in the early 2010s. Food preparation and eating featured prominently in these shows, either as documentaries of regional restaurants or as a highlight of romantic dramas where the action slows to focus on an attractive person eating food. I watched an episode where a sexy woman and a dowdy prim woman engaged in a form of competition eating progressively exotic food to attract the attention of a handsome businessman, whose heart apparently could be won by a zealous eater. In ASMR mukbang, you usually watch someone preparing and eating food, very attractive and elaborate dishes, with the volume sensitized to capture every sizzle, every scrape of fork on plate, and every slobbery chomp and grunt of the diner without narration. Let the record show that the mouth as a sensual interface and the fascination with eating are not unusual or bizarre concepts. Where Empress lost her footing was in trying to explain vor. She asserted that vor comes from carnivore, when both words come from the Latin vorare, meaning to swallow or devour. Vor is the shortened form of vorarephilia or vorophilia. 
Empress Wu also tried to equate vorarophilia with cannibalism, which is inaccurate. To an outsider, of course, they may appear similar. An outsider who has not been coded to interpret macophilia could look at an illustration of a tiny person sliding down a giantess's throat and deconstruct this down to one person eating another. The difference, to be crass, is that cannibalism is the real-life practice of killing a person, dismembering them, and eating them in pieces, while vor is the fantasy of someone being consumed living and whole. Someone who's into cannibalism likely wants to try it, to find a victim and to feed upon them. Someone who's into vor would rather look at a picture or read a story about it happening. Rachel and Laura, co-hosts of the podcast Girls on Porn, did a great job of outlining this in their episode Giantess, January 27, 2021. They led into it with the story of Army Hammer's confession of cannibalistic urges, but they took pains to separate and distinguish this from the Vore fantasy. If I were to place the facets of macrophilia pertaining to the mouth and eating on a continuum, I'd put hard vor on one end, with soft vor in the middle, and mouth play on the other end. Hardvor is the jurisdiction of violence and gore, where tiny bones get broken and the giant's mouth is the engine of manslaughter. Once again, there are no formal statistics on how many people are into this, but I've rarely seen or heard anyone express that they would like to be the tiny morsel to receive this violence. Usually, it's a spectator sport. Fans of Hardvor like to witness the spectacle and violence. They like to see this happening to someone else and they relish the power and complete dominance of the giant person who can do such a thing. A tiny person just can't fight against a set of jaws on a giantess, and it's the easiest thing in the world for her to mash him to a pulp in seconds. The display of power is blatant and unquestionable. Some years ago, I hosted a social chat at SizeCon, the topic of which was Vor. This was a great opportunity for me to learn more about the appeal of this among his fans hoping to learn what it was about a giant mouth rending and mutilating people with the brute force of a car accident that appealed to them so much. Well, like much of the macrophilia fetish, it was difficult for anyone to describe why they were into it. What was it about the shattered bones that excited them? What was it about the garish sprays of blood that they were into? They didn't know, but the dreamy expressions they wore as they described the violence intimated that it was very much an erotic, exciting visual that spoke deeply to them. Softvor still deals with tiny people going into a giant person's mouth. The storytelling around it has to do with whether they've done so willingly, they were tricked or coerced into it, or some gigantic predator of a person tracked them down and stuffed them into their mouth like so many gummy bears. The tiny person gets swallowed, but for some reason they don't die, and in fact, many things can happen at this point. They could slide down the esophagus and plop into the stomach, then find themselves magically passed through, overlooking the tortuous intestinal tracts, and emerging from a gigantic rump, maybe soiled but otherwise intact. They could remain in the stomach, dwelling safely within the core of a giantess. This is known as endo, short for endosoma, short for endosomatophilia. This fantasy may have to do with wanting to contribute to the condition or status of someone else, shedding one's worldly concerns and identity, and losing oneself in another person. Or it could be driven by craving an end to loneliness, to always be close to some beloved figure and never worry about isolation again. There are also outcomes where a tiny person is swallowed, but they get to explore the interior of the immense body 
as though it were an elaborate temple or palace. In the fantastic voyage trope, people can swim through bloodstreams, move through organs like the rooms of a mansion, or even find themselves entering a new world entirely as though the throat were a kind of transdimensional portal. It's another world, but it's still analogous to the interior of the person who swallowed them, and it's still a form of intimacy and connection. If you want to read an excellent breakdown of this, I'm including a link in the show notes to an essay by Peach Newt on deviant art, written on May 10, 2011. As I understand it, they were already writing work that dealt with endo before they even knew there was a word for it, and they do a great job differentiating vor from endosoma. As for mouthplay, my favorite... There's no death or mutilation, and the point is to not get swallowed, though that can certainly be threatened if it heightens the moment. Mouthplay is about a tiny person enjoying themselves in the mouth of a giant person, or a giant person playing with or sexually gratifying a tiny person in their mouth. If you think about what a skilled tongue can do with a cock or a pussy, you've got to imagine what it could do with an entire miniature person. When I write about mouth play in Size Erotica, I take every opportunity to explore all five senses and make the environment as real as possible for my readers. You can touch the teeth, glossy and blunt, or run your fingers through hundreds of rosy little taste buds. I'm fond of a maintenance scenario, like the black-backed courser that picks out detritus from between crocodile teeth. I could prove my worth by doing a better flossing and repair job than any dentist. You can smell the breath of the giantess, whatever she was eating or smoking before taking you inside. If she was sucking on candy or having a coffee, you could taste that on her tongue, the flavor laced through the warm pink nubs of her taste buds. When you look around inside her mouth, you can't see her face anymore. You lose the visual cues to guess at what someone's thinking or feeling. All you have is the smooth pink palate, the stony projections of her teeth all around you, the flexing or stretching of her throat behind you. Her tongue may lie twitching, trying its best to hold still, or it could roll you around and pin you to the roof of her mouth, coax you teasingly toward her throat, and rescue you at the last second. Not unrelated to endo, one of my most personally meaningful images is doing nothing more than curling up on a giantess's tongue, letting her heat bleed into me, watching the light go away as she closes her jaws, and I'm left in this space in her head, listening to her breathe. For me, and for the greater ASMR audience, hearing is an intensely sensual experience. To lie in a giantess's mouth is to feel and hear her gentle breath roaring around you so loud it thrums through your body. When she moans, it rumbles through every cell in your muscles, her pleasure crashing over you like a wave in the ocean. And you know that moan is meant for you. It's because of you. Your vision blurs and your thoughts subside as you ride the rumbling frequencies of her pleasure. It's an experience more intimate than any hug, more encompassing than mere sex. You belong to her now, stored in her mouth and kept there until she decides to let you out. But why would you ever want to leave? To illustrate vor and mouth play, I have several artists to recommend. Once again, please understand that I can only speak from my position. There are hundreds of talented, impassioned artists and illustrators out there, and it's not possible for me to be aware of them all. This isn't a comprehensive list. I'm simply going to share the names of people I've been following for the past several years, whose work I personally enjoy, with links to each in the show notes. 
please feel free to comment on this episode or write in with some of your favorites. I'd love to learn about more. Now for the difficult talk. I'm going to refer you to DeviantArt as much as possible. I recommend you avoid Twitter for various reasons, primarily because it's now the Nazi bar. Alex Jones's account was recently reinstated, so if you're on Twitter, that's the kind of person you're financially supporting. I know it's difficult to move one's business model to a new platform, but it's time to stop saying you know where my heart is and to start acting on that. Granted, DeviantArt isn't an ideal place since it's lately been deleting Size Artist's account for no reason. I'll include my summary of their terms of service in the show notes. But the nature of our work makes it difficult to find a permanent home, particularly for graphic artists. There are options like Itaku, Pixiv, and NeoCities that people have yet to fully explore. And lastly, there are some talented artists I won't mention or share because of their bigotry. It's an unfortunate fact that many size fetishists are just looking for free porn and claim not to care about politics, as though human rights were a political issue. And they support artists who are known white supremacists and pedophiles and anti-LGBTQ, because they feel those issues don't concern them. The opposite is true. We need to foster an inclusive scene so we have the greatest brain trust and the greatest access to talent. It's worthier to support the diversity of perspectives and experiences. We don't need to support people who want those differences eradicated. The first artist I'd like to mention is Carbo, who for my money is a legend in the size world. I don't know their pronouns nor where they live in the world. Quite reasonably, some size creators are protective of their privacy, but they've been producing stunning, beautiful, highly detailed work for as long as I've been aware of them. Some of their work reminds me of Milo Manara. Other sketches look like what da Vinci might have doodled if he were a macrophile rather than an engineer. In many illustrations, cute women can be seen sucking down tiny bodies whole, lost in the rapture of their own experience, while we see a cutaway of the surprise and panic of their victims. It's all rendered very playfully, however. Carbo also does some world-building, developing consistent characters in a realm called Filaria, which has formed a community of fans and contributors to the concept. Way back before Twitter imploded, I found myself in conversation with another talented artist, Saft Cure, and this conversation turned into one of the first interviews I conducted on my blog. Saft Cure, they, them, started sharing their mouthplay illustrations, that of beautiful women with large eyes and enormous tongues, that expanded into their own world-building project of Paratopia. Saft Cure specializes in CGI artwork, rendering exciting images of these cute women who are more than eager, sometimes insistent, to share their huge cushiony tongues with you. Ash Key Wolf, he, him, from Portugal, is another superior CGI artist. Following his work on DeviantArt, you immediately realize you're looking at dozens of short and long stories being told all the time. His characters have a distinct style, that of cute faces and plump bodies. The scenes he portrays, however, tend to lean into the cruel and dominating aspects of this fantasy, where these gigantic women are as likely to playfully lick a tiny person off a branch or a table as they are to messily crush the minuscule bodies beneath their feet or ass. It's a definite commingling of salty and sweet, as lovely and enticing giantesses play with helpless, terrified, tiny people, exactly as a cat plays with a mouse, without an inkling of guilt. 
Flag 3D is an all-purpose size fantasy artist who does not limit themselves to any one aspect of the fantasy. Their deviant art gallery is full of everything you can imagine. Giant women stomping on a city, tiny men caught between the toes of a partner, gentle and sexy and cruel at all scales. I particularly enjoy their mouthplay work because Flag 3D has a talent for realistic imagery and photographic effects in their CGI renders that really push the viewer into another world. Their grasp of camera angles and expressions and everything else make for some really stirring, arousing imagery. Little B8705, he, him, United States, is the only photographer in this list. I first encountered his work at my first SizeCon, and I believe the first images I purchased were his photo collages with producer and model Raquel Roper, signed by her. Little B stands apart from other collage work for several reasons. He produces gorgeous, realistic work from adventurous angles, and he always credits the talent in the image. Rather than lifting stock images from online, he gets to work with famous talent like Jasper Reed, Giantess Caitlin, and Lainey Love. His mouthplay work always highlights the most sensuous aspects of his models to great effect. On Kinky, They Them, is an absolutely delightful artist I've long enjoyed. Their catchphrase, shame on me, shame on you for being here, sets the counterpoint for the luscious, indulgent erotica they produce. Again, their gallery reveals that there's nothing they aren't capable of and nothing they won't explore in size fantasy, but their mouthwork and vore work is particularly alluring. They draw fat, shiny lips, lavish, rolling tongues, yawning mouths aching with need, and a full range of expressions to accentuate any mood or situation in a variety of styles. Everything is rendered with playfulness and exuberance, coming from someone with a deep love for this fetish, and that passion radiates from the pictures. From Brazil comes a highly talented artist, Smushed Boy, he, him. As you might guess from his name, much of his work focuses on foot play and getting crushed by women's feet, but he also explores the other aspects of the giantess fetish and femdom, with mutual consent, as he points out in his bio. Through stark, stylish line art, reminiscent both of Patrick Nagel and Mobius, he renders beautiful women who are more than capable of tantalizing or torturing tiny men with their agile feet, and when he plies his effort to mouth play and soft vor, these illustrations become an epic, elegant, delirious experience. I think it's suitable to wrap up this list with another artist in a different medium. Video. Many models move into size fantasy at the request of a client, and they stay because it's a friendly, imaginative environment with enthusiastic fans. But to be honest, the work that comes from someone who is acting on their feelings, who is creating size content because of their own fetish, that work has a different feel. There's something extra in there that captivates your imagination and touches your heart, and it comes out in everything they do. I have long been a fan of Arctic Giantess, she, her, United States, because of this innate passion. She's a beautiful woman with a musical voice and a perpetual wry grin about her lips, and she's funny and skilled with improv, which means a lot if you've watched a lot of size videos. When you watch one of hers, you know that you're witnessing the manifestation of her genuine, inherent desires. She doesn't second-guess what she thinks a fan might like. Her gaping jaws, her undulating tongue, her lips reaching to the camera in anticipation all come from the heart. That's my impression anyway, 
in the last few seconds of coherent thought before I fall under her spell, craving nothing more than to pitch myself into her throat. It's time for the questionnaire segment, and I'm particularly excited to present my good friend, Undersquid. She has been a hugely inspirational force for my own creativity, motivating me to follow my vision and push it much farther than I would have alone. She is a true giantess to the manner born, in contradiction of the common conceit that women have no macrophilic instinct. Undersquid describes herself as a writer and an artist, and she's been sharing her work on several social media platforms for years. As a giantess, sometimes she says she feels, quote, universally giant, but most of the time I'm a couple of hundred feet in height, end quote. She finds all smaller sizes attractive, from half a normal person's height to anything shorter, but she feels, quote, the most attractive size is two inches in actual or comparative height, end quote. What got me into this was birth. I was born this way. I have Alice in Wonderland syndrome. That means that I perceive my body as tremendously gigantic. And I perceive everything else as incredibly small. Everything and everyone else. I cannot help that. That's just the way I'm wired. So that means that I don't take breaks and go, to, go into my uh, room and think about this. That means that every moment of every day, I am gigantic. And the way I live that, well, the way I use it is that I write and I draw the things that I want to see out there, that I want to communicate. That's about it. And that's about it for the fifth episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, please feel free to share your thoughts on what you've heard. You can comment in the show notes for this episode, you can take the poll and comment on Spotify, and through the Zeitgeist website, you can email me directly. Thank you for listening to Zeitgeist. This show was written, hosted, produced, and everything else by me, Aborigin. Find the show notes and links at zeitgeist.com. See you in two weeks, and please watch your step. Step.